Welcome to Sales Rehab, the show that helps you connect the dots with the world around you so you can become insanely successful in sales, marketing, and life. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Sales Rehab. We're happy to welcome Keith Rosen to the show. Keith is a globally recognized authority on sales and leadership and the pioneer of executive sales coaching by transforming managers into world-class leaders and coaches. Keith is also the CEO of Profit Builders, named one of the best sales training and coaching companies worldwide. Now I'll let Frank kick things off. Thanks for having me here, Frank. Well, it's great to have you here today. And hey, congratulations on your new book. Uh, I wanted to start off talking about that. The book uh, is called Own Your Day, correct? That is correct. And, you know, I know that uh, in a lot of cases you deal with sales managers, people managers, and things like that. I think the book is, is really applicable to just about anyone. Well, let me ask you, what was your inspiration in writing this particular book? Having written several books before, I have to say uh, writing a book on time management was never uh, in front of my radar. It was never in front of my line of vision. Uh, I'll never forget, uh, this is going back probably over 20 years ago, I was sitting on a panel discussion. There was about a 1,000 people in the room for um, a sales event in Manhattan. And I was on stage, and we were taking questions from the audience. And someone raised their hand and asked me a question. And my response, being a coach, was to answer a question with a question. And yep. the question I posed to this individual as well as to the entire audience is, how many of you in the audience have ever heard the expression, time is money? Now, Frank, as you can imagine, every single hand went up. Should have, yeah. Right? And, and then I followed up with, well, wait a second. And I'm a very literal person. I, I, I said, how many of you, though, actually treat your time the same way you treat your money? In other words, if many of you, you manage your money, you have a financial planner, you have a money manager, you have a, a stockbroker, maybe you manage it yourself, maybe you keep it under your pillow. Everyone here manages their money in some way, and everyone agreed. I said, well, what about your time? In other words, do you have a routine that demonstrates and clarifies the activities that you engage in on a daily basis that not only move you towards your goals, but keep your life in a dynamic balance and harmony. Frank, not one hand in the entire audience of about a thousand people went up. And these were all everywhere from frontline sales managers to senior level executives and CEOs. Not one hand went up. And that's when I realized I got to write a book on this because clearly so there's so a they're, gap. So they're managing, uh, I think what you're saying, and, and just to paraphrase, and correct me if I'm wrong, there, people, I think, tend to be very good at managing pockets of their life, but it's not part of an overall management plan. Is that, that a fair assessment? Exactly. And where many of us have been conditioned, you know, fin you have to plan financially for your future, for your retirement, for your children, for their education. You know, that's a holistic picture. Uh, we don't do that with our life. And if you look at a routine, you know, some people call it a diary, a calendar. I call it a routine. A routine basically is the bank of your time. It's what protects your time. And what you put into your routine basically is your lifestyle. 
It's all the activities you engage in from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep. It's a manifestation of the style of life you choose to live. So really, if you don't have a routine, you're kind of living by default. You're living by reaction rather than living with intention. Interesting. Yeah, you, you tend to you tend to meander from point to point, right? Yeah, and it's sort of that 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 shiny ball mentality of, ooh, this looks exciting. Let me chase this one down, and all of a sudden they, we get distraction distracted and we go somewhere else. Oh, let me work on this project, and before we know it, we turn around and there's really no clarity or focus around anything. Well, what do you think it is, Keith, that, that is the biggest struggle that people have in addressing that and, and, and taking control of their time? I find a lot, a lot of initial conversations I have with people, whether they're my clients or not, is they believe they can't. And it's and it's it's really amazing, Frank. I ask people, you know, so I literally just had a coaching call with a client this morning. How do you manage your time? Well, I don't. Or I hear, well, I have a calendar. And then my follow-up question to that is, well, if I was to look at your calendar, what would what would I see? And yep. 99% of the answers are, well, what you'd see are the appointments that I have or the meetings that I have. So, well, that's interesting. Is that all you're doing during the week? I say that sarcastically, of course. And they say, well, yep. no, Keith, I'm doing lots of other stuff. I say, well, what else do you do? And they say, well, you know, I have a commute time. I have my kids after school stuff. Uh, I have to drop my kids off or pick them up from school. I have emails. I have uh, voicemails. I have calls to return. I have internal, external meetings. I have um, sales calls I need to make, proposals. Uh, I, of course, I, if I'm a manager, I have, to, I have to coach and develop and support my team. I, I interview, and then, of course, there's the administrative work I have to do. And I would say, well, that's, that's interesting because it sounds like you're doing a lot, but when I'm looking at your calendar, I don't see any of that. And that's when they kind of have this epiphany moment. And they say, well, you're right. My calendar's lying to me. And that's <laughs> what winds up happening is that most people will look at their calendar. And because they're not being realistic with what they are putting in a day, and because they don't treat everything as an appointment, because I have a belief if it takes up time, you schedule it, you treat it as an appointment. Yep. Then they look at their calendar and they believe they have more time than they actually do, and then they wonder why they're already overbooked and overcommitted and not getting everything done. Yeah, and you know, I think at some level there's also a flip side to that as well, though, is that, and you mentioned kind of the bright shiny object syndrome, is I, I think at, at some level, and I'm I'm speaking from the perspective of salespeople in particular, uh, I, I think a lot in a lot of cases, or at least in some cases, that we seek out distractions. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, like I, I read uh, Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Work Week, and one of the things he talks about in, in that book is only checking email twice a day, once in the morning, once at night. And because there's, you know, generally there's nothing that's going to come in that's so urgent that, you know, you have to deal with it the moment that it pops into your email inbox. And I've tried to adhere to that practice. I haven't been as disciplined as I should be about it, but I've tried to adhere to that practice over the years. And what I, find, what I find is that when I'm staring down something that, that is scheduled that I know I have to get done, but I'm not excited about getting it done, that I'll, I'll subconsciously and sometimes consciously seek out distractions like, oh, I got to check my email. And, you know, if, if you don't, I think if you don't carve out that sacred time to deal with the things that you have to deal with, that by nature as human beings, 
we'll seek out the distractions that give us an excuse as to why we can't do something. I couldn't agree with you more. Actually, I call those diversionary tactics. Ah. So take, a, take, take a salesperson that needs to cold call every day to book appointments. And if there's any level of call reluctance where the manager missed that opportunity to coach that salesperson through to overcome that reluctance, well, yep. at, at 8 or 9 o'clock when that person shows up in the morning and they, they realize they have to make you know 200 calls or however they need to make that day, uh, oh, I don't want to make the calls, I'll do it later. Oh, and right. oh, there's other stuff I need to do. I need to, I need to do, quote unquote, research on every account that I'm going to be calling on. And then before yep. they know it, they look at their clock, oh, it's, it's five o'clock, you know what? Oh, I ran out of time, I guess I'll do it tomorrow. And you and I both know, tomorrow never comes. Exactly, exactly. So they keep how convenient is it when they're doing that research that you know they they just happen to click on another tab that opens up Facebook or some other time waster like that? Yeah, well, it was a, it, it was a, it was a misclick, right? It was it was an right. accidental click. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know there is you bring up something else which is very interesting. Uh, you know I mentioned before Frank that the one of the biggest struggles that people have to take back their time and manage their day is because they believe they really can't do it. They believe their day is dictated by others. They believe it's not realistic because of their job. They believe that their job is too reactionary for them to take control over the day. These are all misbeliefs. And these are all the things, this is why I say mastering your day is, is not just about what you do, but it's about who you are and how you think. So I take a very holistic approach. It's, it's changing what you do, but it's changing your relationship with time that you can actually take your day back. And one of the things that I talk about, and I've noticed this again, I would never have, have even um, identified this unless I coached literally tens and thousands of managers and salespeople over the years, is that at, at some time when one of my clients commits to saying, okay, Keith, I'm going to work on my routine. And a week goes by and they have an excuse. And another week goes by and they have an excuse. And another week goes by. All of a sudden, I already know the writing's on the wall. And the writing right. is this. And I, and I put it in the form of a question. I would, I would ask them, on a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 means you are absolutely the poster child for being an adrenaline junkie, and 1 means you're not even close, where do you fall? And inevitably, Frank, that person will say, Keith, um, I'm probably at like a 9, 10, or 11, or maybe an 8. My point is adrenaline is the antithesis of a routine. So, what, so when you hear people say, oh, Keith, you know, I, I work really good under pressure. Oh, I, I can't work off a routine. My, my, my career is too reactionary. There's too many things coming at me. There's too many conflicting uh, priorities and competing priorities. I'm already sensing there's a degree of adrenalism in them. And I'm not talking about the healthy adrenaline. I'm not talking about playing a sport or racing a car or, you know, you know jumping out an airplane uh, you know, or bungee jumping or something like that. I'm talking about the adrenaline that we get from overcommitting. I'm talking about the adrenaline we get from waiting until the last possible moment to get something done. I'm talking about the rush we get from feeling like we work best under pressure. We create an adrenaline lifestyle, which actually prevents us from creating the lifestyle we really want to live. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a life of dodging bullets, right? 
it's a life of dodging bullets. It's a life of, of reactionary. It's, it's a life of always seeking that next rush. It's like a drug addict. You know, they look for that next high. When you're an adrenaline junkie, you actually seek out opportunities to get that adrenaline rush. So when I, and this is a great example of, you know, coaching the mindset because there's no go do on adrenaline. It's, it's how you think. Uh, it's an energy source for people. And as human beings, we tap into any available energy source we can, even if it causes suffering or difficulty. So where I coach my clients on this, in order for them to even get over this hump to start creating a routine and, and opening their mind to the possibility that they can do it is having them tap into a healthier energy source. And I call that momentum. So if you look at adrenaline as a peaks and valleys like a roller coaster, the highs are high, you achieve what you want, and then you crash, the antithesis is momentum. Consistent thinking, consistent activity yields consistent results. Interesting. And, you know, it, it's, uh, I think it's a real challenge because, you know, everyone has so many balls in the air, right? I mean, and what I mean by that is uh, different components of their life that they're trying to balance. And, you know, we were chatting before we started recording you know, you have kids, I have kids, you know, roughly the same age, some of the challenges that those things present, looking at colleges, all these other things, yet we both have to run a business, uh, you know, as well as deal with what are very pressing issues for other people that are very near and dear to us. Uh, and I know in your book you, you talk about, uh, or you, you put the, the premise forth that you think that, uh, that life balance is kind of a pipe dream. Can, can you expand on that and, and explain what you mean by that? It'd be my pleasure. So, uh, BC, before children, yep. uh, b before getting married, uh, when it was just all about me. Remember that, Frank, years and years ago when it was just about us? It was uh, a wonderful time. <laughs> I hope your wife's not listening to this. Uh, <laughs> so, so, years and years ago, it was just about us. And I believed, even when I first started my practice 30 years ago, I'm married 20 years now, and I remember first starting my practice, and coaching clients and saying, no, life balance is possible. You can balance your life. And, and be, again, being a very literal person, balance implies equilibrium. It implies two different opposing forces that are equally balanced, work, and pleasure, our professional mm -hmm. life and our home life. And then I got married, and then I had children, and my definition of life balance has changed. And my new definition of life balance is, it's not that you can't have it, it's how you perceive it. And there's the, the old definition that I shared, that level of equilibrium, what technology has made that level of life balance absolutely impossible. Uh, we are way too connected, and that has created uh, a rift in the ability to create more balance and harmony in our life. So my new definition of life balance is managing the imbalances in your life. Because today, there's no more, here's my personal life, here's my professional life, oh, here's my work life, here's my home life. You know, years ago, you could draw a, a pretty clear line in the proverbial sand. Well, today, there is no more line, okay? It's not even gray. It's not business life. It's not personal life. It's just life. So while I say it's, it's about becoming masterful at managing the imbalances, the good news is what you can bring into your life is you could bring more harmony into your life. You could bring more meaning 
into your life. You could bring more significance into your life, and that starts with creating this routine and even what precedes that is really being clear about what your ideal life even looks like so uh, and and I'll stop at this point but in order to create a routine there are some things you have to have in place you need your professional and your personal vision ie your holistic vision of your life you need to identify your priorities and your values and you need to make sure your goals are in alignment with your priorities values and vision. Only then can you create a routine that will be a manifestation of the life you want to live. And, and are those things kind of the non-negotiables in the process? Absolutely. So I call that my per, your personal navigation system. Just like you know, yeah. if you pull up your navigation system, you punch in the coordinates, it takes you to the destination with the least amount of time and and traffic, right? Well, each of us have our own internal compass, our moral compass, um, our own personal navigation system. Most of us don't have it on a conscious level. So we're kind of going around, you know, living life and, you know, maybe we'll take this path one day and this path another day. Well, your personal navigation system, it, again, similar to any type of app or navigation you have in your car, brings you to your ideal vision. Well, you need to then know what your ideal vision is. It's sort of like goals. Well, if you don't have goals, then how do you know when you get to where you want to be? Then you just keep striving for more and more and more and more and more, and then when's that, when do you achieve that level of satisfaction and fulfillment? So in order to create a highly effective routine, remember the routine is, is includes all the activities that are going to move you towards your goals personally and professionally while keeping your life in harmony and, and balance. Well, in order to identify what those activities are, you kind of need to know what your goals are. And, yeah. and to make sure you have the right goals, which are value-based goals, you need to make sure they're aligned with your, with your values and your priorities in life. Well, where do you pull your priorities in life from? Create your personal vision. When people sit down and actually write without any inhibition, without putting any proverbial glass ceiling on it, this is what I want my ideal life to look like you're able to pull out what their values are. You're able to pull out what their priorities are. And then from there, you can, art, you can craft the goals, which then bring, which again, all roads go back to time management, which is your routine. The problem right. is if you don't do that, most people wind up creating what I call should-based goals, S-H-O-U-L-D, where it's not their goal, it's someone else's. Well, you know, the top salesperson in the company, they're working 80 hours a week and Saturday and Sunday morning. Well, I want to be successful too, so I guess I should do that too. Well, what happens if that the person who's a workaholic doesn't share the same values and priorities that you do? And what if your values and priorities are your family and your kids and you don't want to give up watching your kids grow up and, and you don't want to sacrifice your personal life for work? Well, then that's not the right goal for you. That's a should goal, not a value-based goal. Interesting. That's a great point. That's a great point. Now, one of the things I found most intriguing uh, when we were doing our preparation uh, for this podcast is uh, you say that, uh, <clears throat> that by taking your approach that people should be able to or, or can pretty much eliminate their to-do list. And as someone, I, I have to tell you, and I'm, maybe this is a confessional, I live and, buy, I live and die by my to-do list. 
in, in part because I've gotten to the age where if I don't write it down, it doesn't get done. Uh, but I have a I have a to do application on my computer that syncs with my phone, and man, I you know if I don't put it into that to do list, uh, I don't get to it, and I, I must look at that to do list a hundred times a day from a hundred different perspectives. So if you could share some insights into how to help me break that chain, that would be incredibly valuable. It would be my absolute pleasure, Frank. So I'm curious uh, with your to do list. You said you looked at it about you know a hundred times a day. Uh, when you look at your to-do list, how do you manage your to-do list to get those things done? Well, I, I break it down between things that I have scheduled, uh, like this podcast, uh, okay. and, and there's things I have scheduled on a daily basis. Uh, you know, they're recurring, like you know, carving out my time that I want to make sure I I commit to some type of physical activity, some exercise, uh, you know, something to, to maintain health and well-being, that type of thing. Uh, and then I have different categories of is this a home task, is this a work task, uh, you know, and then I try to prioritize what's a high priority, uh, you know, a medium priority, a low priority. So I've created this incredibly intricate <laughs> uh, system that probably only would make sense to me um, and has probably taken on a life of its own over the years, quite frankly. So it's very interesting. You, I don't know if you heard it, but you actually, you actually answered your own question. And you actually drew a distinction, so let me let me pull it out. Let's distinguish between to dos or 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 tasks yep. versus versus activities. So, and this is where people get stuck. You actually shared a few things. You said, "Well, Keith, I have the podcast that we're scheduled for today. I I have." exercise regimen that's that schedules as well. Well, wait a second. If you said scheduled, to me, that means it's no longer on your to-do. That's in your calendar. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, that, you're absolutely right. Oh, okay. So then that's no longer a to-do. So here's the interesting thing is that when I tell people to actually um, destroy their to-do list, and of course they freak out on me, Keith, I live and die by my to-do list. Are you crazy? So, well, wait a second. Wait a second. But before you kick your coach out, look at your to-do list. And they would look at their to-do list. And I would say, share with me what's on your to-do list. And they would share with me things like, well, I, I want to work out. You know, I, I, I know I have to make some sales calls. I know I have to do some follow-up. Um, I know I need to, oh, I, I got to schedule some time with, with my, you know, to see my family or my friends. And I would, I would say, thank you for sharing. Let me ask you this question. The things that you just shared, are you, do you only do them once and you're done? And they said, of course not, Keith. I said, oh, so these are actually recurring things that you do, That's, whether it's recurring daily, weekly, biweekly, monthly, twice a year, once a year. These are things that you do with some level of consistency. And they would say, yes. I said, well, take all those things out and put them in your calendar. Because a, a, a task or a to-do, if you will, my task list, my to-do list, are things that do not show up at any level of consistency. So I'll give you a couple of examples. If I'm sick, I'm going to go to the doctor. I can't plan for that. I don't, I don't plan when I'm sick, but God forbid if I get sick, I go to the doctor. Can't plan for that. A light bulb blows in my office. No idea when that's happened. Can't plan for that. OK, 
okay? The light bulb yep. blew in my office, I take out a ladder, I change the bulb. Can't put that on my routine, don't know when it's happening. Um, something breaks in your car or the air conditioning goes. Can't plan that. It just happens. God forbid a car accident. It just happens. Can't plan these things. So those things are more task-driven, changing the light bulb, you know, fixing something, you're, you know, whether it's your car or whether it's, you know, my, my wife just told me uh, she needs new tires. Well, I didn't know when that was going to happen. Can't put that on my calendar at any recurring point, but it has to get done. It's a to-do. Those are the things that wind up on your to-do. And ironically, when they're on your to-do, guess what? You still need to schedule them. Because here's the problem with the to-do list, is that the to a to-do list without deadlines associated to them is a diversionary tactic. I know people that have certain items on their to-do list for years. Why? Yeah. Because they never assigned a time to get it done. Yeah. So half of the things, if not more, of your to-do are actually things you do at some level of consistency. So put them in your calendar, create a recurring appointment, and, and just, there's your routine. I answer email every day. It's in my routine. I go to the doctor for a physical once a year. It's in my routine to call the doctor and make that appointment. It's in my routine even to clean my gutters out twice a year. It's, it's in my calendar. Yeah. Coaching is in my calendar. Administrative work is in my calendar. Uh, answering um, voicemails, making calls. My, my personal regimen, my, my exercise regimen, uh, which is two hours a day, is in my calendar. Okay, and those are certain things that, by the way, are non-negotiables. Self-care is a non-negotiable. We can, we can dig deeper on that in a moment if you'd like. But it, given, just to wrap this part, part up with the to-dos, even in the things, what I mentioned about a light bulb or, you know, something breaks in your car, I still have to get that done. Why not then still take that and put it on my routine? Because if it's not on your routine, it's not going to get done. Gotcha. Yeah, and, you know, you make a great point about uh... – about how things stay on, you know, I've had things on my to-do list since the Clinton administration that just, <laughs> it's, it, it's too easy to, it's too easy, to, especially these days, like you said, with all the technology enablement, it's too easy just to click a calendar open, point to a different date and, and move it along. And there's, there's, you know, not any real accountability when you do that. And I agree with you. It's, it's, uh, and, and what ends up happening, I think for me personally, anyway, is, is the to-do list tends to grow organically. And, and it grows organically because there are new things every day that I have to do, do, you know, related to my business, related to my family, whatever the case may be. And if I'm dragging 30 or 40% of them over from the previous day, then all of a sudden it, it's creating something that becomes unmanageable at some point. Yeah, yeah. and that's, that to me is where you know, most of the things on your to-do or your task list are routine. So you might as well schedule it as a recurring appointment. And now it becomes your lifestyle because we're doing most of the things that we do every day are, are at some level fairly consistent. So why not schedule it? Well, and let's, uh, let it, let's do go a bit deeper on that topic you just mentioned about the non-negotiables and, and personal care being part of that, that whole process. Why is that so important? Well, I, I, I speak from taking modeling what my clients want to achieve as a coach to heart. And I believe you can't take someone where you haven't been yourself. So that means I need to model what's possible for my clients to achieve. 
I don't recall any client telling me they wish I don't recall any client let me take that back I don't recall any client not telling me they wish they had more time to take care of themselves every single client I've ever worked with every person would tell me at one point or another they wish they had more time for themselves they wish they had personal time they, they wish they could exercise or, or do some level of activity uh, physical activity or go to the gym every one of my clients tells me that and the majority of them will tell me, well, Keith, I don't, I don't, I want to, but I don't. And my first question, as you can imagine, Frank, is, is it in your routine? Yep. And inevitably, what do you think I'm going to hear? No, it's not in my no. routine. Well, if it's not in your routine, there is a 99% chance it's not going to get done. So you need to actually schedule self-care. Now, self-care doesn't always mean exercise. Self-care can mean anything that you do to take care of yourself, your well-being, your peace of mind. So self-care can also encompass things like meditation every day, family time, time with your kids, time with your spouse or significant other, um, taking a walk, reading a book, decompressing, watching TV, hobbies. You know, for me personally, it's my, my self-care is, is going to the gym and doing cardio and doing weights and doing kickboxing. And then I do yoga and sometimes I do hot yoga. And these are the things that, to me, allow me to take care of me because it's very difficult to take care of others if you're not taking care of yourself first. And a lot of people have a hard time with that because yeah. I ask people like, hey listen how good are you at being selfish oh, oh selfish no no I'm not, I'm not selfish their visceral reaction is that selfish is a bad thing but I'm not talking about selfish as an ego I'm talking about s-e-l-f hyphen i-s-h as in taking care of yourself there's that old adage about if you're on an airplane and uh, you're sitting there and, and the flight attendant is, is talking before takeoff and they say, in the unlikely event of an emergency, the overhead compartment will open up and the oxygen mask will fall. And then they say, if you are seated next to a young child, what are you supposed to do first? Put your you own put mask, mask on. Exactly. You yeah. put your own mask on first before you put the child's mask on because you can't help others unless you take care of yourself first. Whether you're a salesperson, whether you're a non-salesperson, whether you're in operations, whether you're especially a leader and a manager, and even a leader at home, you, you, whether it's personal, uh, in family, uh, or, or at work. It, it's, if you're not taking care of you, it makes it very difficult to take care of others. So that's why yeah. I say self-care has to be non-negotiable, and the only way it becomes non-negotiable is if it gets scheduled, literally. And, and I'm not just talking about scheduling time to go to, for me, to the gym. It could be scheduling yoga. It could be scheduling meditation. You know, I do a 10-minute meditation every morning. It's in my calendar. Why? Because if it takes up time, it needs to be scheduled as an appointment because that eats up my day at some level, and I need to be realistic with how much time I actually have in a day which is why everything gets scheduled. Sometimes I schedule um, reading a book. Uh, I certainly schedule time for writing and creative time. So all of these things, if it brings you joy, if it's that sense of self-care, it needs to be scheduled. Otherwise, 
you know, we talk about life balance all the time, then if you don't schedule self-care, then when are you bringing that joy and significance in your life? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, it's like the old adage, right? Physician heal thyself. That all, it all starts with getting control of your own calendar, your own life, your own routine. And I would, I would imagine that's how it translates for whether it's sales managers managing salespeople or parents managing children, that you, if you want to impart that same discipline, if you want to impart that same benefit, uh, you have to be living and breathing it yourself. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring that up. Uh, there's a section in my book that talks about, okay, so now that you, the universal you, uh, have read my book, and if you're a, a manager, a sales manager, this now is your opportunity to coach your team around self-management and personal productivity. And I give them a roadmap of, of actually how to coach uh, their, their team, but they're able to do it to your point, because they're now modeling it for others. They're able to do it. They're able to model it. So now they can say, hey, look, look what I've been able to do in, in my career and in my life, and look how much more productive I am and have more free time. That's what I want for you. Let's work on this together. So uh, it, it, there are so many additional benefits to creating a routine because now you get to help others do the same. And again, if, 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 if we don't schedule that time, you know, getting back to that self-care, you and I both know the, the first thing that we sacrifice is, are the commitments we make to ourselves. And those right. are the things that are typically the things that bring us happiness. Well, and, and the ones that are probably most important to our long-term mental health and well-being and our long-term success. Yep, exactly. So uh, just to, to start to wrap things up here, Keith, uh, awesome conversation. Uh, you know, I'm excited about diving more into the topic. Uh, what would your recommendations be to, to the listeners out there? You know, if someone wants to get started with this, wh what can they do immediately to get this process started? Well, I would say the first thing to do, and, and you know, without even a shameless plug of my book, you could do this for free. Create a chart from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep. So whether it's 5 in the morning to 10 o'clock at night or whatever it is, create a chart, okay? Um, create a weekly chart. Uh, where you have an actual grid where you can put the things that you do at every single time throughout your day into that chart. In essence, track your week. Now, I'm not being literal when I say track your week. If every day is fairly consistent and is pretty much the same, give or take, well, then you only need to track maybe one day. If every day is a little different, um, then track two days. If every day is extremely different, then track three days. So on average, I suggest that people track minimum of two days, starting from the time they wake up to go to, so, until they go to sleep. Track every single thing you do. That is the first step to creating a routine because that exercise is incredibly enlightening for people. What people leave with, and, and again, I'll be the first to say it sounds totally mundane. To, oh, Keith, I don't, it sounds so boring. It's, uh, I don't, it sounds so cumbersome to do this. I'm not going to disagree with that. But here's the value you're going to get is, number one, you're going to realize you're actually doing a lot more than you think you're doing. Number two, you're going to realize you're doing things that you have no business doing in the first place, which are not moving you towards your goals. Number three, you're going to realize that things actually take longer than you thought they did. And number four, you're going to realize that there are things you want to do 
that are not in your calendar, I use the example of self-care. So to me, if you take those four things, those four lessons, those are huge lessons. And then from there, you can start moving through the process I've crafted in my book, Own Your Day, to help take what you've learned and start crafting a highly effective routine. And let me ask you a question about the routine, especially as it relates to to personal care and some of the other non-negotiables and things like that. Uh, is it fair to say that that you should only create that routine as it relates to those non-negotiables around the time that you have complete control over? And, and let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, for me personally, for instance, uh, you know, I about 50% of my year is spent traveling teaching sales training workshops. And when I'm teaching those sales training workshops, you know, from uh, for three and a half days straight between 8.30 and, and 5 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, you know, there's a schedule I have to follow, an agenda I have to follow, things like that. Those days are not mine to schedule, if you will. Uh, but I still need to, to have the time for exercise, the time for self-enrichment, whether it be reading, meditation, whatever the case may be. So what, what I think I'm, I'm hearing, and, and I'll just ask if this is accurate or not, is that if there are those non-negotiable things, uh, knowing that I have a varied schedule, right, of, uh, in other words, my life is very different when I'm at home working out of my office like I am today versus when I'm traveling and on the road, that really the non-negotiables should only be, if I want to really create a routine, should only be during time that I always have complete control over. Is that, is that a fair right. statement? It is, and, and, I, and I'm glad you brought this up. And to summarize what you're saying, uh, I suggest creating alternate schedules or alternate routines. So I'm in the same boat you are. So I do a ton of travel as well. And when I'm traveling, you know, and you're getting on the plane and you're traveling for a certain amount of hours, which means you're not at your home office or you're not in your office, which means you're not doing the things that you typically do. And then you're delivering a, a program, if I'm delivering a two or three day program or workshop or keynote, well, now it's eight in the morning till six at night. Well, I'm working with a group of sales leaders and managers and salespeople or operations. Well, if I'm working with them all day and I'm fully present and engaged with my clients and that team, I'm not doing other things, right? I'm not checking emails. Right. I'm not in the gym. I'm not having coaching sessions. So, you need to have an alternative routine. And when you're traveling, you actually need to give yourself permission not to follow your regular routine. So I actually, when I travel, I give myself permission not to follow my routine. I give myself permission that, you know what, I may not be able to work out because if I'm getting up really early and I'm working with my clients all day and then afterwards they want to take me out to dinner and then it's 11 o'clock at night, I'm not going to the gym at 11 o'clock at night when I know I have to get up at 4 or 5 o'clock the next day and I need to be on my A game. So right. there, so that's when I suggest, oh, you know, when people say, to your point, well, Keith, what about when I'm traveling or what about when I'm at an event or at a trade show or doing something else? Well, you need an alternate schedule. Relinquish the grip that your routine has on you and give yourself permission to honor that alternate schedule for that limited amount of time. Gotcha. Excellent advice. So the, the book, uh, Amazon, I would assume is the, the easiest place for people, that, the listeners that want to learn more and, and really get into this program. Uh, Amazon's probably the best place for them to find the book, correct? Absolutely. They can go to Amazon.com Amazon and buy the book on your day right there. They could um, 
Also, go to ownyourday.com. Uh, if you'd like to just download three free chapters, get a sense of the book, they can also go to that website and grab three free chapters as well. That's awesome. Outstanding. Well, uh, before we wrap things up, Keith, any, any final thoughts? Yeah, I would say there's probably two things that I want to make sure I impart to all the listeners here. Is number one, for those perfectionists out there, and I will raise my hand as a recovering perfectionist, please do yourself a favor and don't try to create the perfect routine because it does not exist. There is no such thing as a perfect routine. I see a lot of people get stuck because they would say, well, Keith, you know, things got in the way and I wasn't able to honor my routine. That's okay. That's called yep. life. So if when clients come to me and, and they feel disheartened because, oh, Keith, I only followed my routine 5% this week, you know what I tell them? I say congratulations. And they say, why are you congratulating me? And I will say, well, because you were just 5% more productive and efficient than you were the week before. That's and right. the week after when they honor it for 10%, that's 10% improvement. And the week after that, if it's 20, that's 20 and 30 and 40 and 50. And if you're at a point where you're honoring your routine 70% of the time, that's 70% more efficient and productive and focused you are on creating the life you want with a bell curve. That's 100% in my book. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the old saying, right? Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Oh, because perfection will be your paralysis. And and the yeah. final thought I, I would want to leave with everyone is to realize, you know, your your daily routine is what influences your actions and your activity. Your actions and your activity is what shape your results, and your results is what determines your success. So if you really want a great life, schedule one, which is why when you truly own your day, you own your life. Outstanding advice and a great conversation, Keith. Hope to hope uh, that you'll come back and join us again on, on a future podcast. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Frank.